God to minister to you.
Well, that's what we're preaching on this morning. So that's perfect. That's perfect. God bless you this morning. So good to see you in the house of the Lord. Each and every one of you are visitors. We also have visitors from Edmonton this morning. This is the Edmonton meeting on a Sunday afternoon in a couple of weeks. And so we're actually having two services today. One here, one in Edmonton, and so we greet the saints there as well, and all the believers there, and uh, we certainly love them as well, and I know you love them. They'll actually be your neighbors. They're your family, so amen. You may not know them. Uh, Amen. Maybe if the camera would turn to Brother Ray just now. Brother Ray, you have a twin. You have a twin. Why don't you just wave at him up there in Edmonton? God bless you. We certainly love you with all of our hearts. We're certainly thankful for what God is doing. So glad to have Brother Doug and Sister Chastity with us. Their children, Teddy, got baptized the other day and, and about three or four weeks ago. And so we're really happy about that. God bless you. We love you. We're so proud of what God's doing in your lives, and and we're so thankful. There was Brother Jason Watkins and Brother Matt, and um, they send their greetings, and so we'll see them soon, too. So, amen. I think they're coming back for our Labor Day meeting. That'll be wonderful. Got word this week that Brother David Iverson is now a full-time pastor. Many years ago, I sat with him at a a little, little lunch, first time I ever met him. I just, I just told him, I said, you'll be the pastor of this church. And, and now he's been the pastor for a while, and, and now he's full-time pastor. And so, so we just don't know where to say congratulations or, or what. Right there. But we're certainly proud of Brother David Iverson in Belgium. And now I, I, I had an interesting thing with Brother David. I went and visited with him. And when I was there and I went to his home, and they were kind of in a three-story apartment. It was kind of just how it is. Um, and so when I walked out, I put my hand on the wall. And I said, God, if it would be your will, I ask you to grant them a house of their own. And they now live in a house of their own. And it was by a miracle of the Lord. And so we're just so thankful for that. Amen. Brother Jonathan Curlett let me know this morning that uh, he's up in... baptized his son 12 years old along with a couple of others and so he's just really happy and amen many years ago we were able to have a meeting there at brother Harold's and and God just allowed uh, things to be spoken to him that he would be used and so this morning he sent me those pictures and we're so happy for him as well amen this morning we we want to go to prayer and have a special prayer for sister Karen Pruitt Sister Karen is the queen in Louisiana. Our nation may not recognize it, but that's what God called her to be, the queen in Louisiana. And she's in dire need of a miracle. And things are looking very, very difficult. And, um, but we know a God that knows how to take care of difficult situations. Might I bear in mind with you just for a moment that four weeks ago, I even told Brother Tim, told my family that the Lord woke me up. And in waking me up, he, he, he spoke to me 
these words, storm is coming, storm is coming, storm is coming. You know, I didn't sleep the rest of the night. God not only shows us great things, but he shows us difficult things. But if he would tell us that a storm is coming, he's reminding us, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. We're not in Hollywood. We're not writing a, a childhood story here. You know, where everything is happy ever after. But we have a God that made a promise to us. I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. When all others have given up hope, I'll be with you. I want to remind you, and I apologize for taking this time, and even in both realms, but I, I want to say this to you. When Jesus was walking with Jairus and his daughter, he's at his last end to come to get Jesus. And he's willing to do whatever to get Jesus to his house. Jesus told him to fear not. And he looked at him and said, fear not. And even when they came to tell him that your daughter has died, it didn't change the story with Jesus. It didn't change the story. Last year when I spoke, we must get to Jesus. And then the following week, we went to Louisiana. Sister Karen was in a brain bleed situation there. We're in a much more dire situation even now. But Jesus is still the same. He's is absolutely the same. So I would like for you, if you would, if you would join with me in prayer this morning. And I want us to pray. And I want you to pray from your position as a believer. Because that's where you have authority as a believer. And I want you to talk to God right now. Almighty God, we bow our heads before you even now. Lord, we bring Sister Karen Pruitt, Brother Tim, before you now, as we've done so many times. You reminded me this morning that last year spoke the meeting on a musket to Jesus. Now, Father, there's nowhere else to turn to. When doctors do all that they can do, only the high physician can move on the scene. Now, Father, you've known our past, you know our presence, and you know our future. Now, Satan, you take your hands off of God's property. She's a daughter of God. You've done your best to destroy her. God has an answer. And you're still God today, Father. And I ask you to step into her room right now as we pray. Lord, we're an outpost here. We raise our flag. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask you that you would send your word and heal and raise her up according to your word. You have a plan. You have a desire. And I ask you that you administer right now. Strengthen Brother Tim. Lord, Lord, and ask you now that you would just come on the scene for every need that might be lifted, not just here, but also in Edmonton, around the world now. Father, you're a great God. 
that hears. And you don't just hear it, you answer it. Every prayer, you answer. And Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask you to break every wall and every petition now. Send your word and heal them. We ask you that you would anoint these lips of clay. Even this morning as I speak, Father, give me strength. Help us, dear God, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask you. Amen and amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. We love you with all of our hearts this, this day. Amen. Amen. Isn't he good to us? Isn't he so good to us? Amen. Amen. If you will turn with me to John chapter 8 and verse 31. Amen. We love you with all of our hearts. In John 8 verse 31 and verse 32. Then Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. He said these words, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. Verse 36, he says, the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. You don't have to turn there, but trust me, Romans 8 and verse, verse 1, I'm sure they'll put it there quickly. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. You may be seated today. Very familiar scripture, Revelation chapter 5 and verse 2. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? in heaven nor in earth neither under the earth was able to open the book neither to look thereon and, and I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book neither to look thereon and one of the elders saith unto me weep not behold the lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David hath prevailed open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof and I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth and he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne and when he had taken the books the book of redemption the the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Notice these next words. And they sung a new song, Amen. saying, Thou art worthy to take 
the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hath redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And has made us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall reign upon the earth. Amen and amen and amen. I'd like to just speak to you for a bit this morning. I have found my freedom. I have found my freedom against a backdrop of chaos. Kind of a complex thought, but I want to convey it to you. Today is for Americans, we celebrate our freedom. Thank God for the freedom that we have. We're losing it quickly, but thank God for the freedom that we have. We, we raise our flag. Fireworks went off through the night last night, and, and uh, we raise our flag, and we are Americans. Brother Brown said many things about us being Americans. And how that we we are entering our glory and we are entering our shame. Amen. We're Americans and we, we have been able to have a prophet to come from this land. And a message went forth out of her. Yeah. And, and through that we've been able to send the message around the world. Amen. Especially Brother Harold's, Brother Harold's group sent books by the millions. Throughout, throughout the earth and even when I was a young man coming into the message I grew up in the message but I didn't know Jesus but when I met Jesus and I became free I began to read those books many of those books would have three or four messages within a book and uh, they was just powerful still in my study today but but we stand with freedom we, we thank God for freedom but freedom comes with incredible cost. Young men have to go away to war. They're, they're at war and we as a nation, we only had our civil war which cost literally tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of people's lives. I don't think they'll ever have an exact number of how many lives it took. But let me just say, war is War is when two demons rise against one another, challenges, whether it's a people or a nations or whatever they are. We realize that we're coming to the end of all wars. It's coming. So we must enjoy our freedom even as we speak here today. Our freedom had a great cost. To be a Christian came at great cost. To have the life of Jesus living on the inside of us cost the greatest preacher, the greatest king, the greatest man that ever lived on earth, the most innocent, precious lamb of God. God came to the earth to manifest and destroy the works of the devil and to proclaim that the prince of this world is judged. And when he was on the cross, he was redeeming every one of us. I want you to know, no man could save himself. No prophet could save himself. Our prophet of this day could not save himself. He was born of sinful flesh. He couldn't even pay for his own sins, much less the sins of others. Amen. 
to take a redeemed man and give him a redeemed word that would be able to preach to a redeemed bride to get her ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb and the rapture. It came at great cost. Must remember, we must remember, I, I, I found this the other day and it just spoke volumes to, to me. If the Son has made you free, you're free indeed. During the national observance of the 100th anniversary of the Statue of Liberty in a New York harbor, I was struck by the great emphasis of, on the number of immigrants who had often left everything behind. Coming to America with nothing but the clothes on their back, they risked their lives for something that they valued more highly than everything that was left behind, freedom. They did not take their adopted country's hard-won freedom for granted. Neither must we. Their experience is a picture of what we must do when we come to Christ. We must forsake the allegiance of the world and leave behind all that it offers and become citizens of a new kingdom, the kingdom of God. His stature of liberty came in the form of a cross. Of a New York harbor lifts her lamp beside the golden door. The Statue of Liberty on that our hill is outside of Jerusalem, lights the way to eternal love. No one braves the treacherous journey to America in order to live as a as they would in their homeland. Likewise, Christ did not leave glory and suffer an agonizing death so that you could live anything less than absolute freedom. Hallelujah. Our money tells us that in God we trust. Our nation has forgot that. But we as Christians must never forget. As I spoke last week on hold your position. Never forget who you trust in. There's some fights that we're going to have to struggle with. Some spiritual wars. Some physical battles. We're going to have to battle faith versus wisdom. Intellectual ability. Sometimes faith has to look at the unseen and the unproven. That you cannot explain. Some things that you just go, it's in God's hands. But you have faith that God's going to take care of it some way, somehow. We must remember that as Christians, we're no longer a slave to the world. Sometimes when we talk about slavery, we think of, of different races of people. But I want you to understand to the world, everybody's a slave. Just the conditions are different. The 
Egyptians became slaves by circumstance in Egypt. But God had promised them the deliverance. He promised them a deliverance. There's where I would like to start this morning. When Moses is standing there before the greatest phenomena that ever happens, he's standing at a Red Sea with a rod in his hands. And the people begin to grumble and complain with good matter and reason by the things that you see. They are getting ready to see a very complex miracle. They have believed the message. They have been let go out of Egypt and they begin their journey and they come to the face of the Red Sea. Are you with me now? And I want you to remember God had hardened Pharaoh's heart. And Pharaoh turns all of his military loose and he sends them forth leading them destroy the children of Israel. Two million people. Let me just say this to you. In the face of freedom, if we could look, the backdrop of that is the greatest army that has ever stood ready to destroy them in a moment's notice if only they can get to them. But God sent a pillar of fire and held them at bay. an ocean for them to be able to walk across on dry land. In the phenomena of a phenomenal miracle to set them free from their slavery and set them free from the economy and the politics of Egypt. God has to hold the enemy at bay. Come on church. For the You've got to anchor your soul in Jesus Christ. Right on now. Yeah. That's right. Behind every great story, there's a backdrop. Caleb tells the people that we're more than able to take the land. We're more than able. God's dropped us a revelation. I've been here 40 years. And the promise is still true. And he tells the people with victory in his heart. You've heard these 10 spies tell them that how big the giants are. And how horrible the conditions are. But God's more than able. He's more than able to take us through. Sure there's giants. Sure there's great adversary there. But greater than that. He's made us a promise. He told Abraham at the tent, I'll make your seed possess the gates of their enemy. We're his seed. To summarize, Abraham is a very complex story. Abraham's the richest of any, any around. Amen. You may not see it. He looks like he's traveling like a nomad. But God's with him. Amen. Sometimes whether you realize or not, you're the richest in this world. Amen. I'm not talking 
about your billfold, your checking account, your IRA, or whatever you've got. But you've got Jesus. And it's beneficial to your, not only you, but your family, your children's children, your children's children. And there's a blessing that is pronounced upon them. Are you with me? Companies are blessed because of you. This nation continues to be blessed because of you. Your prayers. Your prayers. Are you with me? Holds at bay the enemy. Holds at bay pestilences and torments. It holds at bay. Bombs can't drop on America. They're coming, but they can't drop till you leave. So men can build bombs. And let me just say this to you, they're not just building them to put them in a warehouse. They made better swords, they made better knives, they made better guns. Man is always evolving. They made bombs and they made hydrogen bombs. They made atomic bombs. They're not making them just to store them in a warehouse or to make a threat. It was like Israel a few, maybe a decade ago. They had, their enemy was going to try to overtake them. They just simply pulled all of their atomic material planes, warfare out, put them right on the air bases so the enemy could see them. Israel is determined I'm not going to lose a war. They're determined I'm not going to lose a war. Are you with me? They're not going to lose a war. It's been promised that they'd be here. Jesus is coming back to that city one of these days. They're not going to lose a war. I'm going to tell you. This gets to Biden today. I want you to know, Joe, they're not going to lose a war. Let little children let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. And as he is righteous, he that committeth sin is of the devil. But the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. That he might destroy the works of the devil. And whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness, is not of God, and neither he that loveth not his brother. We will destroy the works of the devil. That's what we've been sent here to do in this age. Brother Brandon makes a statement of just just burns on my heart even now. He said, the whole burden 
of all the world rested upon him. Calvary, the dark hours of Gethsemane laid before him. And all as, as he went, he never noticed their scoffing. What a background. You know, when someone says something evil about you, you want to take it up and get angry about it. Just shows you haven't went deep enough yet with God. Big men don't do those things. But what made him God to me? He was big. He didn't have to notice their little scoffing. He had a purpose. What a background it was. Many years ago I was laying in my bed and I was, I'd been contemplating maybe for days of you know, Brother Branham tied the loose ends together and he would go and grab from this and he would grab from this commentary and he'd grab from this, this teaching of this man or this teaching from that man over there. He'd go back into the 1700s or back Martin Luther or he would grab from Wesley or he would grab from other great writers and he would grab from them. And it always kind of, kind of made me kind of mind boggled of short life how did he grab so many things that were so powerful and I went to bed that evening I had my hands behind my bed and my head and I was just I was laying there and I have a collection of books it's a it's a CHM set of books and I think it was written in the 1800s maybe and it was a gift to me many years ago as a minister. And I was just, I was just laying there and the Lord impressed on me to go to my library. And so I went to my library and I knew he had a plan. And, and, he, and these thoughts on my mind, how did Brother Branham get certain things? Or how was he led? Or, you know, you just can't read volumes in a, in a short lifetime. Amen. And I'm standing there before it. And I'm impressed to pick one book and I just open it just like that and I let it just fall open to a page. And I begin to read that page and, and the writer is saying, Jesus' atmosphere was so powerful. Amen. He was so powerful until when he's standing before Pilate. Yes. The backdrop was the whole nation was screaming for his blood. And they were screaming and only days before miracles had happened. And miracles, but they came under the realm of the demons of hell to kill Jesus Christ. Are you with me? A few days ago they're screaming Hosanna to the king. But now, now, listen, riots is no new thing. The devil has stirred riots forever. But that don't make God nervous. That don't make him nervous. And Jesus is standing before Pilate. And all of them are screaming, crucify him, crucify him. And it's literally mind-boggling how they're screaming against Jesus Christ. And the writer said, Jesus' presence was so deafening till he never heard the mob. That's right. Amen. Amen. He was in control. Amen. 
standing even right there before Pilate. And he has a conversation with him to which he would remind him of what kingdom he was from. My kingdom's much more powerful than this one. We think about where we are today. When Jesus was here, Israel wasn't even governed by Jews. When we think about his greatest moments, he's literally in the hands of a Roman government. Your freedom came with great cost. With every demon in hell screaming at him, trying to destroy his body. We're praying for Sister Karen today. But her healing, her freedom from that stroke was paid for 2,000 years ago. And Satan was full bore trying to destroy that body, beating on it. But Satan couldn't realize the more he beat, the more he set free. race was backed into a corner the law had failed justice had failed prophets had failed the judges had failed everything that God sent to the earth had failed and Adam's race stood defeated sickness among them death among them everything the death horrors in every place nothing could be done but in heaven there was one that stepped out son of God and said this day I give my life for Adam's race what will you do cried the angels what will you do he came to the earth he looked upon the bunch of men and women that wanted to serve the Lord they couldn't there was so much temptation and so much sin and so much sickness and so much troubles on every hand they couldn't everything had failed he looked till he was found in the darkest place of man's fear and that was death it's always been and he ran right to Calvary and got the thickest spears and throwed him into his heart and cried back take what I leave you the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fight as hard as you can I take it as a mandate and I take it as commission of the word of God we won't bend we won't bow we won't turn back we won't give up by the Holy Ghost to preach this word with all of our hearts. Jesus has the answer to every need that you've got. Brethren, I mean, if there ever was a time when those disciples picked up the baptism of the Holy Ghost, one of the mightiest weapons that's ever been given into the hands of men. And 
they cut a hole today through sin. They defeated the devil and running him back with sickness and all of these things. Men wants to see heroism. Men are waiting for a gallant to stand. The world's waiting to find a man who can step out. What about you? Wherever you're listening to this sermon. I heard a sermon one time and said, Lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset you. I was sitting in about 1,500 people when I heard that. It impacted me. I didn't wait on somebody else to get the answer. It impacted me. What will you do with your life? And what will you do with your 24 hours? It's not about how much money you have. I probably couldn't have afforded anything at that point. But I want you to understand I committed my life. I have preached with great passion through all of these decades now. I have preached with great passion. I have not been. I have not bowed. I have not turned around. I've been preaching this message all of these years. And the backdrop that is behind me even now. I don't stand with fear. Storms come. Storms go. On down into the regions of the demons. On down into the very gates of hell. He knocks on the doors of hell. And when he did, the devil come out and I said, I can hear him say, oh, so finally you've, you've arrived. I thought you, I had you when I killed Abel. You see, when the seed was promised in the Garden of Eden, the devil was constantly trying to destroy that seed. And death, and the death of Abel, of Seth was just a death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's the seed must continue. He tried to destroy it. I thought I had you when I destroyed Abel. I thought I had you when I destroyed the prophets. I was positive I had you when I beheaded John. And now after all you've arrived and I've got you now. And I can hear him say, Satan come here. Over and he grabs the keys of death, hell, off of his side and hung it on his own side. I want to serve notice on you. You've been a bluff long ago, and I am the virgin born son of the living God. And my blood is still wet on the cross, and the full debt is paid. You have no rights no more. You are stripped. And he turns around and he gives a a good healthy kick and slams the door together and said, stay in there. I'm the boss from now on. I like it when God reminds the devil I am the boss. I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave and you are nothing but a bluff. starts up and where is Job and where is Abraham? Where are they at? Where are those fellows that trusted God and his word? Has he forgotten them? Did death annihilate them? 
what was the, what was after all? Never, never. God has to keep his word. And I see Sarah and Abraham walking around there. And after a while, something called the door. Abraham goes and opens up the door. And he said, honey, come here. Look here. Look here. The very same one that stood with me under that old tree that day. He's Abraham's God. Jesus, I can see Daniel over there, over his shoulder and say, that's the rock that was hewed out of a mountain, just as certain as I'm standing here. I see Job raised up and said, that's my redeemer that I see that lived, that I knew and lived, and someday I would stand upon the earth. My body may not be but a little spoonful of ashes, but in 15 minutes, I'll be in, in it again. That's him. Ezekiel looks over the top and said, I see the same person as a wheel within the middle of the wheel turning way up in the middle of the air. Then Enoch says, I saw him coming 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment. There was the Old Testament saints waiting. Sure, they was under the atonement of the blood. They could not go in until the presence of God. God of heaven, because goat and sheep blood could not take away sin. But he said, my brethren, I'm the one that you think that I am. I am the one that you think that I am. You may be trapped in Abraham's bosom for all of these hundreds of years. Look at the backdrop. But today, you are free. other day I was riding through my woods on a golf cart I needed a moment I was riding through the woods and this is going through the woods I just stopped I said Lord I want to talk to you I want to thank you that I'm not even the same man that I was before you met me. And I'm going to say some very deep things right now. The man that was born of Charles and Charlie and Christine Spencer, that blood runs through my veins. But it could not keep me. Because I was born of sin. And that blood would have only taken me back to the earth and would have taken me into the realm of lost. And all of their weakness, I was, I was sharing with the world. Life of party, alcoholism, the wrong kind of associates and friends, the wrong kind of desires. I was driven. I was driven with a drive inside of me to go as hard as I could into the world. You see, I'd been raised in the message, but I didn't know the author. Being raised in church is one thing, but when you meet Jesus, 
Jesus with a supernatural birth. And let me just say, for these preachers that want to explain a supernatural birth away, you haven't met him yourself. This is more than a formula. This is more than some recipe. This is more than come under some preacher's anointing or some kingdom anointing. This is more than any of that. This is meeting. This message is Jesus Christ himself. God's not going to rapture your books and your tapes and your pictures. He's going to rapture human flesh that he's come to dwell on the inside of us. You was a stinking caterpillar that nobody wanted, but God, by the transforming power of Jesus Christ, didn't just make you over, He made you new. I thank him that I'm not the same man that I used to be. Where'd he go? He died. I think sometimes we must think about those things. Used to be you had a taste for beer, a taste for wine, a taste for drugs takes for the wrong kind of associates. When I come to Jesus, I'm going to have to leave so many friends. Oh no, you got that wrong. They're going to leave you. Whether you realize that cool beer that you're drinking, it's destroying your brain cells. That drugs that's made you high today, you'll need more of that tomorrow than what you had today to make you high. And without Jesus, you can't keep your vows when you say, I do. Oh, you may now cheat with another woman, but because of your lustful nature, I'm preaching now, you'll be a porn habit, backslidden, rotten human being that'll corrupt your wife fall right to your children. Come on. That's why you need a new birth. You can sit in a church pew without a birth and you're still as rotten as you ever was. But when you meet Jesus, you're free and you'll never be the same the rest of your life. Sister Connie married is very disappointing to me now. But I want you to know the one that he became, she can be proud of. 
occasionally have some real conversations at our house. Maybe you don't have them. But in the backdrop of what we're facing, we have to have real conversations. This ain't Hollywood, saints. This ain't a fairy tale. Someone sent me a note the other day said it must not be as bad as what they say it is. I just sent them back a note. Glad it's not you. You see, I just had an eye seizure before I walked in the building this day. You see, Satan is always at attack. But I can preach with one eye as good as I can preach with two. Brother Timothy Pruitt was here with us the other day. And he said something about sending a cannon fire. Oh, yeah. Said they were, looked like they were crushed and was telling them to give up. And so I responded with cannon fire. So that's what I've done. I'm only responding again with cannon fire this morning. Edmonton, you may not have watched all the services in the last year and a half, but I want you to know I've stood at my duties. Sometimes hanging on to this place. Many times not feeling like preaching, but you got to look right square in the devil's eyes and spit right in his eyes. Pull a sword against him and tell him he does not have the victory over time. God is greater than cancer. God is watching over everything. He has a purpose in your life. Many years ago, I was sitting, studying in Edmonton. It was on a Saturday. I was studying at a little, little tiny desk in the, the hotel room. I don't remember the, di- the year. I haven't conferred with Matthew about this, but I was sitting there and as I was sitting I saw a vision I saw a vision of Matthew sitting beside the side of the road rubbing his knee and I saw his motorcycle on the mountain as, and the wheels were still turning I called him Brother Matthew if you'll stand just now He's our song leader here now. He's a preacher here now. You see, Satan would like to destroy you because he knows there's potential inside of you. But though I might be whatever, 2,000, 2,500 miles apart, everything's just right together. So God shows me the vision of Matthew and a wreck, and I I just call him. I said, how are you doing? Good. You know, you can answer without telling everything. Good. So we talked for just a couple moments and I said, how was the wreck? Well, he knew nobody knew. 
But John that used to come here and he would have his shirt unbuttoned down to here <laughs> and long bushy hair and, you know, uh, and he called John. You'll, you'll meet him again in heaven. But God would have it so that he would give his heart totally to God the last service he was in. He said, Dad, nobody knows. Cassie knows. Cassie, she knows. Andrew knew. Well, them boys are inseparable. the wreck and he began to explain it to me hit a rock hit some rock in the road and the bike went one way and he went the other way he said how's the knee had his hand on his knee at that point he said well brother Ron what does that got to do with it God was showing Matthew I see you I see you I'm preaching a meeting for your congregation, Brother Ed, Brother Harold. And that boy is on God's mind. And he would have never told me had God not showed me. The bite's gone now. He wasn't a song leader nor a preacher at that time. God was watching over him. Give the Lord a good hand. Brother Shannon, you were sitting at a table with a lot of bottles on your a lot of backdrop behind you but he's got a purpose Amen. hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. he's watching over your life Amen. he's got a hold of it Amen. he knows exactly the situation that's going on in, in your life Amen. how you know God spoke to me on that deal walking across the road with Brother Timothy Pruitt the other day. We're going across the road and and I just shared with him something that would be of maybe of a little answer. I said, Brother Timothy, I was kind of looking at kind of where I'm at. And God took me to a quote about Caesar. And he was going to have a parade 
and he was looking for somebody to ride with him. And all the officers got their, 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 all of their brass ready, polished it, their plumes ready. They got everything just right. And Caesar makes a ride through them. And he finally comes to a man that's got all kind of scars on him, really rough shape. And he asked him, where'd you get those scars? And he said, I got them in the battle for you, my Lord. And he said, you'll ride with me. God dropped that in my heart. Here's my consolation. We might have to go through some very difficult things. But God is telling us, you'll ride with me. Can you give me just a little bit more to preach to you? Brother Branham says these words. He said, oh, he said, trials come. Churches gets all shook up and gets so easy for a congregation to do when something don't seem to happen the way that it's supposed to do. God makes a way. God brings tensions into a church. For every son that cometh to God must be tried and proven and tested. Listen to these words. He lets sickness strike you. He lets diseases come on you to test you, to prove you, to show the world that you are truly the seed of Abraham. He permits it by his own will. He permits disasters. He permits the friends to turn against you. He permits all of these things and turns the devil loose to tempt you. He'll do all but take your life. throw you on the bed of affliction. He could turn you over your, your neighbors against you. He could turn the church against you. He could do almost anything. And it's God's will for him to do it. Amen. And we are taught it's more precious to us That's right. than gold. You're talking about a backdrop. That's right. I've been preaching to you over the last few weeks praising him in the storm. Are you with me now? It's not an easy thing when you go through a storm and it looks like all hell is turned loose on you. But I want to remind you, God's got an anchor for you. When your bank account won't hold you and your insurance won't hold you and the world turns against you, you can hold on to God's word. Let me just say a few things here before we go. This message that is so phenomenal. Let's just remind ourselves. It was preached to us behind two world wars. A battle in Korea. Vietnam starting up. It was delivered just after depression. Industrialization begins to take off. Music begins to change from the good old boy hillbilly singing to rock and roll and all hell being turned loose through the Beatles and Elvis Presley and those people that begin to, let me just say they were inspired of hell. Amen. 
can hurt your feelings, but they should not be your hero to start off with. Brother Brown points those spirits out. Seven visions comes forth. I don't have to take you through it, but Adolf Hitler would lead Germany to world war. Let me just say, you didn't need an ambassador. We had a prophet to tell us. We're getting ready to go into battle in a world war. It would tell about leaders that would hang and come to a shameful death. Call them out by name, not wishy-washy. Call them out by name. I'm ever ever, ever amazed at people that will go back to a man like Nostradamus and say he was a great man and could see vague things. He wasn't accurate on anything. But you had a prophet of God in this day that called people by name, their address, the condition that they had, what the doctors told them, their children, their children's children, tell them where they live. And yet people will sit and question Brother Branham. Well, I got a better idea or cut it apart or slice it apart. Who are you? stood there and told him about Adolf Hitler told him told him about how the cars would be made like they are now we're even advanced to that so it's already fulfilled you don't have to wait on that it's already fulfilled when you see a Tesla going down the road that that fulfilled that vision very well (laughs) still with me also told us of women getting the right to vote are you with me told us about a woman of purple. Are you with me now? And the other day when you saw an inauguration, she stood there in a purple dress. Are you with me? Call her a cruel woman. I don't know if you paid any attention to your news this week that her staff don't even like to be around her. Of how cruel that that woman is. Listen, she slept her way to the top. Go ahead. Go ahead and send it out on the media. She slept her way to the top to become the governor of California. She slept her way there. Let me just say. Don't you put your trust in no politics. I'm not a coward. I will preach in an open public pulpit where people will get behind a a computer somewhere or another and send out an anonymous text. Hallelujah. 
Sodom and Gomorrah is here. Against the backdrop of a gender that don't know who they are, they're fighting for their rights. Brother Branham stood there and preached the seals and went to almost seven times around the world and preached the message against the backdrop of Martin Luther King and this nation almost upside down and people being washed by fire hoses. Cruel. Listen, all men were created equal. We got no problems with none of that. All men were created equal. God's blood pays for every sin. Let me just say, God will clean the worst harlot, the worst homosexual. And worse than all of that is these religious demons. He can wash all of that away and set you free. is written and we, we read such phenomenal scriptures in the book of revelations it's our book it's close to the close to the minds of denominational systems around the world that have tried to open the book Billy Graham tried to open it Oral Roberts tried to open it many men tried to open it Spurgeon actually had enough sense to say, men leave this alone. A prophet will come and reveal this. Warned all of these preachers, don't fool with the book of Revelations. It is for a prophet to come and open up. At least he had that much observation. But let me just say this to you. In the backdrop of all of that, John was in the worst prison on the Isle of Patmos. Had been boiled and all. It was known as the worst prison that there was. He could write, I was in the spirit of the Lord's day. I heard behind me a voice and I turned to see him. And I fell at his feet as dead. His flesh was in prison. But he was enjoying another realm. Notice the scriptures. And I see a new heaven. behave. I'm trying to behave. There he may have been in the backdrop of the worst prison that there was, not being fed well, wasn't clothed well, but God was giving him the greatest revelation ever given to man. And God sends a prophet, not out of the schools of humanity, but his daddy's a bootlegger. As a teenager, Brother Brandon would have been a murderer had the gun went off. They had to change their name from uh, six letters to seven letters because his daddy was on the run from the law. 
So Brother Branham could not be proud so much of his mother and father and their earthly descendants, but he met Jesus. Neither was you. Neither was you. I don't want to talk too much about the negative. But it doesn't take long for you to search your family heritage. That's right. To know you were a stinking rascal. That's right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you were rotten. You were just absolutely rotten, Roxy. You were rotten. <laughs> Ed Hammermeister said he was a little boy listening to the brother Harold sleeping, sitting up against the wall, but now operating as a pastor of the church. God had a plan. Maybe even his family didn't believe it, but God had a plan. Are you with me now? God's got a plan for your life. He's got a plan for your life. What you may have thought was a mistake in your life, God used it as a glory. I'll never forget when I first met you, Sister Connie. She'll never forget that. I'll never forget it. Satan whispered in my ear, said, she'll never believe this. You talked about what a mess your life was. Remember that conversation? It's been a long time ago. You're not even the same woman that's sitting back here. You're not even that woman. What happened? Jesus. Amen. I could go all across this audience. Brother Jim spent time with me telling me about his mom and their past and the wrecks and moving this and moving there and moving here and moving there moving here and moving there then he meets Charlene is that an accident? oh no, oh no children had to be come forth you see in the Lamb's book he knows you're coming you know there's things you can't understand but Solomon had to come out of David and Bathsheba backdrop of murdering a man Solomon is born maybe you've even questioned your life and wanted to walk away if you could have reason things out how can I how can I possibly be his child you walked into a service you probably thought I'll never believe that and here you are decades later Amen. maybe you walked into this service today and you thought I'm just going to come through visit, sit through the service think you know well this is just something I'll do to kind of see people or do this and you come and God speaks to your heart 
And he begins to explain and goes back through all the backdrop of your life. And you look at the mistakes and you look at the failures. And more than a preacher has discerned your heart. And you've sat and listened for about an hour. And it wasn't a man, it was God. He can take care of your past. And he's really interested in your future. see I'm not guessing now I'm on target and I'm taking my time it's kind of like sitting at the hospital waiting on a grandchild to be born you know it's coming you just don't know how long it's going to take and I'm preaching and watching God move and just waiting for the right time for you to get it Sometimes our services are an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours, sometimes two and a half hours. Who orchestrates the service? He does. You know, sometimes we or even have the ability as humans to shake it off and go back out and eat, go back to our routine. And then when we're preparing to lay down he begins to deal with us again Amen. you see he knows your future because you don't know you. he knows your future while I'm waiting I want to share a story with you was preaching in Florida at a meeting and the Lord woke me up and said go home today well my flight was tomorrow and so I called the airline and I told them my situation I needed to go home today I don't know who it was it must have been an angel on the other end of the line she said I've got you fixed up she actually asked me this words what time do you get out of service amen I said, well, I'm going to preach till about 1 o'clock. She said, well, you'll be able to make it to to Orlando by 3. And so we'll we'll have you fly out of Orlando at 3. So that should make it good. And you'll land in Charlotte. And then you'll get home this afternoon somewhere around 9 o'clock. Well, I I told the pastor. I walked in and I sat down in the pastor's office. When I sat down in the pastor's office, I sat in there and and as I was sitting there, I, I, I was sitting with him. And I, I just, I'm going to just. I'm sitting with him. And I'm just sitting, he's behind his desk. And I'm just sitting there with him. And I said, you know, the Lord woke me up this morning. And, and he told me to go home today. And so I've, I've got a flight this afternoon. And. It's 3 o'clock. I'll need someone to drive me to the airport. And he said, okay. Well, he said, well, we had a big dinner for you planned this afternoon. All of our people were coming together. We had a big dinner planned this afternoon. And he said, we had some things that we want to do with you in the morning. 
I said, well, I, I feel like I'm done with the meeting. I feel like my purpose is over here. I said, but I do need to have a conversation with you. And he said, okay. I said, how long have you been dating your deacon's wife? You know, that's a real man-to-man conversation. The guy that drove me to the airport became the pastor of the church. I got to Charlotte and I walk off of the airplane and there's two kids sitting there crying. They're about in their 20s and they're just sitting there bellowing and crying. And so I see them and I think, well, that might be why I'm here. And so then I'd walk through the airport and I go, I go get something to eat at Charlotte Airport and I sit down in a, it's a huge place to eat there. And here come these two kids and I said, Lord, if I'm to speak to them, have them to walk right by my table. And would you know, here they came right by my table. And they walked over and sat down at a table. And I said, well, that's why I'm here. So I got up and I walked over and sat down with them. And when I sat down with them, I, I just started talking to them. I said, you know, this morning, you don't know me, but this morning I woke up. And I said, God told me that I needed to be here. And all I know is I'm supposed to sit at this table. I don't know you. You don't know me. But God has orchestrated all the events of today so I could sit at this table. I said, what do you need from God? I had introduced myself and he said, Brother Ron, I've been looking for God. I'm a bartender. And he said, somebody handed me a tape and I went home and I put it in my tape recorder and I tried to go to sleep. And when Brother Brandon said, good evening, friends, he said, I sat up and he said, that's a prophet. He said, I've been on a trip to Colorado and I didn't find God. I've been over here and I didn't find God. And he said, I'm sitting in this airport looking for God. And I said, well, God's orchestrated this day. He's orchestrated this service. Brother Doug, he knows how to orchestrate a service and have it in complete control because his seat, his seat against the backdrop, Brother Donnie, you remember the day that you walked down this aisle and you said, if I, if I serve the Lord, it'll cost me my marriage. I said, God's greater than your marriage. Now years, God's been greater than cancer for you. He's greater than everything that there is. Wherever you're at, you think, well, I'm doing my own thing. God's watching over you. And against the backdrop of everything that is facing against you, it may be a horrendous storm. It may be horrendous circumstances. Just like that young man at the table that day that gave his heart to God and his wife gave his heart to God. God's got you in his hands. He's got you in his hands. 
I stand here a free man today. And I proclaim I'm free. Amen. Amen. I don't know the future of Sister Karen. But I know this. I know the one that has it. I don't know the future of the scans that I'm getting ready to face coming Tuesday and coming coming in the 19th but I know the one that has it. What if you get bad news? All right. God's got it. God's got it. Many weeks ago uh, I text Brian Lamb God's got this about an hour before he went into his his into that sedated coma for weeks God still got it he's greater than your problem he's greater than your situation and if I could call out to Edmund tonight I don't know your situation but God laid on my heart to remind you you're free attention this morning. God bless you. God bless you as the musicians would come. God bless you. God bless you. I'd ask you if your heads would bow just a moment with me. And I want you to be real honest with me. Nobody looking around was not on the audience, please. I want you to be real honest with me. We're going forward. And there's things that's held you bound for maybe even decades. And you really would like to have freedom from that in your life. this audience and I'm sure a lot of other places 
You know, when we come right down to it honest, we come to a place that I prayed many years ago, God, I can't live this. I got to have you to help me. I need your help. He's just waiting on you. He told Moses, take your shoes off. Moses. in my home. I, I really like to I like to have a no drama home. He's here to take care of that for you. Uh, I, know, I know we have a busy day. All those hands that raised up, I'd like for you to just step out. We're going, I want to pray with you all together. Won't you just come now?
We don't have to live under that bondage another day. I'm free. I'm free today. Lord, whatever the situation is from individual to individual, no one's a lock. No, no trial is a lock. No situation is a lock. But God, you're the answer to every one of them, Father. Just like Goliath, he could roar until David came into the camp. Lord, we've come to a service, maybe hearing the same preacher for decades now. But Father, at the right moment, God sends a trumpet and says, I'm free. There may be a backdrop behind the me of chaos, but I want to proclaim my freedom in this service tonight. Lord Jesus, forgive us of our sins and our mistakes and our failures. Forgive us of the weaknesses in our lives. May the blood of Jesus Christ, the atonement of your word, Father, search across this audience just now. And we want to remind you, Satan, you don't have the keys to your own house, so you can't have this one. You tried to corrupt us 2,000 years ago when we were in Jesus. You can't corrupt us now. May we stand in freedom. Stand today. Like the other day when Sister Charity said, I just got to have more. I got to have more. We stepped into the living room and we as a family would begin to pray. light came so strong in the room it was like a huge spotlight came into that room she confessed her sins to you her life changed more than an emotion more than some myth but you changed her life in that moment presence is all over this building. Pass by the way of Louisiana today. Go into a hospital room. Walk up to her bed. Lay your hand on her, Father. Strengthen the family, the church. Lay your hand on my body, Father. storms that you've sent into my life. You're that God. Lord, you've allowed me to have great doctors. But the other day when they backed up against the wall and didn't have the greatest news, you're still my physician. You're the God that I trust. You're the God that's got this whole thing in your hand. Father, you're the great provider for this audience. You're providing for their needs. You're providing for their marriage. You're providing for their children. You're providing, Father, for our lost loved ones. We ask you on this day of celebration of freedom, we ask you for freedom from Satan's reign, freedom from the demons that torment. 
freedom, Father, today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Sweep across this audience just now. Not just here, but in Edmonton as well, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. His 
God, my Savior.